today on Laura Lynn and Friends. I think there can be a measure of civility when there's a potentially greater threat or a greater harm on the horizon. But once things settle a little bit, all of a sudden what we see is these fractures or these fault lines within the freedom movement. Those people who are for freedom as God defines it, and those people who are for freedom as they define it. Uh, what a guest we have. I hope you heard me before the opening of the show, and that is that uh, we're talking about sex today. So I went to my dad's trusty Bible, and uh, I couldn't find where he's underlined anything uh, regarding, you know, purity and all of that. But it's really funny because I noticed that I went over to 1 Corinthians because in 1 Corinthians 6, um, 18 to 20, it talks about our bodies basically being a temple and uh, of the Holy Spirit. And I mean, we have absolutely lost our way in this world. You can't watch anything, you know, on television or, you know, without having your eyes scarred. Something is being shoved in front of you that's uh, ruining uh, the sexuality. Also, uh, you know, we're, we're wanting to, you know, raise up a generation that has good values uh, on all of these issues. Well, Andrew DiBartolo is uh, one of the people that's going to help us. So I go to my dad's Bible and I opened it to 1 Corinthians 6, where I know that it talks about some of these things. But I do see a very interesting thing now. Funny, my maiden name was Freeman. So my dad was David Freeman and I'm Laurelyn Freeman, formerly. And in the Bible, so he's underlined this, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant in the Lord's, is the Lord's freeman, free man, or free woman, as my friends used to call me. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Do you know, freedom was God's idea. And that's why I think it's a really cool thing that we're all fighting for freedom. But with freedom comes responsibility and responsibility for what we do um, and how we behave and what our children learn, that's on parents and it's also on us for how we behave. So Andrew DiBartolo, uh, I just wanna welcome you to the show. Thank you very much for waiting in the wings and you are gonna be doing uh, something very cool coming up here and you're here to talk about it and uh, give us your worldview perspective. Yeah, so a, a little bit of history. Two years ago, almost to the day, Bill C-4 received royal assent in Canada, so it was it became law. And Bill C-4, for anyone who doesn't know, is the anti-conversion therapy law, which essentially deems a biblical Christian worldview and perspective on marriage and sexuality as being a harmful myth and stereotype. And to say to someone that it is preferred that you pursue and you adopt God's standard for sexuality instead of the world's, that that is now criminalized, that engaging in conversion therapy or saying to someone, if you're a man, you cannot have sex with a man. And if you're a man and you think you're a woman, you're actually a man, that that's illegal. And advertising for conversion therapy is also illegal. So what we and a number of pastors decided to do was tell the state that you have no authority to dictate what happens in the pulpits and you certainly have no authority to define marriage and sexuality. So we committed to preaching on the first Sunday after Bill C-4 became law, a message on sexual ethics and God's design for marriage. And we committed to doing it every year on the anniversary of Bill C-4. And so every year, the second or third Sunday in January, we call on faithful men in Canada. And now, interestingly enough, around the world as well, we have several brothers in the United States 
Germany, Australia, and England that we know of that will be joining, preaching a message that in their countries is still legal, but in many ways in our country, it is illegal to stand in front of a group of people and tell them to pursue God's sexual norms as being right and preferred. And so that's happening this Sunday, January the 14th, and we are calling on pastors to preach on God's design for marriage and sexuality. We have a, a promo video. We have blank slides for sermons, for PowerPoints that people can use as well, that we can distribute those resources. And then after the fact, we want to ask people to reach out to us. There's a form they can fill out on our website where they can say, here's a link to my sermon. Here's a link to my church website. We're not going to publish that publicly, but it's for us to have a database of everyone who joins so we can follow up with. And so we can also help direct people who are looking for faithful churches. So that's wow. this Sunday, Biblical Sexuality Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, let's run your promo. And then I want to talk to you about how politically incorrect you are. Okay. So, so let's run the video. Bill C-4, an act to amend the criminal code, deemed read a third time and passed. The bill itself would seem to prevent an individual from being able to seek out counsel from the Word of God. That's satanic. All those opposed to the honorable member moving the motion will please say nay. Agreed. It is therefore illegal now to help someone climb the slope of sexual virtue in Canada. There being no dissenting voice, I declare the motion carried. This is your biology. This is, this is what sexuality is. To say that now is a crime in Canada. The hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. These are symptoms of a society in decay. And the only hope for our nation is, is repentance. So, so Andrew, that's uh, amazing, beautiful, beautiful promo, and and I really, I just want to honor the um, this initiative that pastors are taking to be bold because I think for a lot of years no one really talked about it. It just kind of, you know, and in not speaking about it, in not standing strong, uh, perhaps a, a lot of leeway was given to the LGBTQ movement and to these these bills that went forward. Uh, voted in by 100% of our members of parliament that were there that day, including every single conservative party member of parliament. So are, are, is it true? Like, do you think we're really at the place where it's illegal to, to call biblical sexuality as being the way it should be? Well, on, on the books, yes, especially when it pertains to a one-on-one -on -one scenario or even advertising. So again, the way that the the way the legislation is worded, which is has been law for two years now in Canada, is vague, and that's intentional because it allows the state to grab and reach and arrest and charge people and not necessarily have anything to pin it down to. But essentially, if I'll frame it this way, let's assume that someone who I've known for many years or someone who just finds out about me through the internet or through the work that we do and they meet they want to meet with me and have coffee and we're sitting down we're having coffee and they say you know andrew i'm a man i believe in god and i believe that god's design for marriage and sexuality is right but i have these weird desires where i i desire to be with an, another man sexually and i even feel like maybe i'm a woman inside of a man's body like maybe i'm actually a woman if i were to say to that person 
well, number one, you're not a woman, you're a man, because God's made you a man, because your maleness and femaleness, while it has a lot to do with your physiology, it's it's deeply tied to that, but there's there's more than just the plumbing. Maleness and femaleness, they're, they're, they're identity markers that God makes men and women with roles and functions and purposes. So you're a man, doesn't matter what you feel like. And number two, you cannot engage sexually with another man. That's a sin, that's an abomination, that's against nature. If I were to tell that person that and call them to, to abandon sexual immorality and embrace God's design for sexuality, that is illegal and it carries with it that up to fine. And oh, say that last sentence again. Uh, so Andrew. that so if, if I if I tell someone to abandon sexual immorality and embrace God's design, that carries with it up to a five hundred thousand dollar fine and up to five years in prison. And if I advertise conversion therapy, so if I say to a person, "Listen, you need to go speak with my pastor because he will help you work through these things and he will help you to abandon sin and embrace." God's law and God's commands. And if I say, hey, on Wednesday night, we are having a class on biblical sexual ethics, calling people to repent of sinfulness and embrace God's design. That's advertising for conversion therapy and advertising conversion therapy brings with it. I can't remember if it's a $100,000 or $500,000 maximum fine and three years in prison. So that is now law in Canada. Wow. So um, I'm hoping that everybody watching right now is going to share this immediately. And also on YouTube, we ask you to head over to Rumble right now. So rumble.com backslash Laurel and Tyler Thompson, and you'll find me. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to um, keep on uh, following this show because we're going to get into some things here that uh, maybe is not very uh, YouTube friendly. So um, Andrew, uh, do you, are you finding that pastors are willing to do this or are you also finding that there are some that are not going to touch this subject? There are pastors who are willing based on my experience and my interaction with pastors across Canada, generally speaking, the same men who kept their churches open and who were non-compliant with COVID mandates and restrictions are the sort of men who will join in this and who will not be shy about what the scriptures say regarding sexuality. Now, there are a number of pastors that I've come to meet who maybe they shut their churches down, maybe they thought that wasn't the hill to die on, who have also joined in Biblical Sexuality Sunday, maybe the first year or even last year. It's not a huge number. So I would say by and large, the Christian, the broad Christian church is unwilling to intentionally preach a message in defiance of godless legislation in the hopes that people will be converted and turn from their sin to Christ, but also to let the state know you don't define marriage and sexuality, and you certainly do not get to determine what comes from the pulpit. That's a very, very, that's an exceedingly small number of churches in Canada. And I, I think that's, that's, that's clear from the response and that's clear from interactions I've had with people who are utterly frustrated that their pastors will not join in this and want nothing to do with this. 
Right. It, it is a frustration. Is it cowardice or are they compromised in their understanding of biblical sexuality? Could be one or the other or both. It could be that they're soft on biblical sexual ethic. It could be that they either are compromising their beliefs, that they believe that there is such a thing as a gay Christian, which there isn't, or that they would say, well, you know, orientation is different from practice. You can be attracted to men. That's, a, that's not a big deal as long as you don't do anything about it which again is thoroughly unbiblical because Paul tells us in Colossians 3 to put to death what is sinful in you. And one of the things he lists is evil desires. And desiring to have sex with a man, if you're a man, is an evil desire and it must be put to death and it must be brought to Christ to be transformed. So guys are soft on their biblical sexual ethic. So they, they, you know, they, they think that ah, it's not a big deal. Cowardice is a lot of it. The, an, an unwillingness to put their neck out. I mean, we saw the last three years. We saw, especially in the height of mandates and restrictions, guys were unwilling to put their neck out and pay a cost for obedience to Christ and to honor him as Lord. So if they're not willing to do that on a small issue, like having your church meet <laughs> or, or not cover people's faces, uh, they're not, which, which brought with it, you know, an $800 fine and maybe a couple slaps on the wrist. I don't think guys are going to be willing to go all the way for a five year maximum fine five hundred thousand dollars if you're if you can't be faithful in the little things you can't be faithful in the big things there's a portion in jeremiah where jeremiah is complaining to the lord that no one's listening no one's responding everyone hates him and the lord says to him oh jeremiah if you grow weary running with men how will you be able to run with horses and if you are tired in an open and easy land how will you be able to be faithful in the thickets of the jordan and the principle that God's unpacking is if you can't be faithful in the little things, if you can't be bold when it's just a little difficult, that you have no shot at faithfulness when it's very difficult and when the cost is high. And that's what we're seeing. The cost is high, and the same men who floundered during COVID lockdowns will flounder on this. Mm. Well, that that's an interesting correlation, isn't it? Uh, the lack mm. of discernment basically sort of uh, is shown in in different ways. Um, what do you say to someone who says, "Well, this is hate speech. You're you're spewing hate speech in Canada." Well, I, I guess it would depend on the the context. So if I'm if I'm having that discussion with another professing Christian who's saying this this is hateful speech, this is hateful rhetoric, I would say to them, as a brother, as kind as as, as I can, that's that's stupid and unbiblical, and you need to get your your mind in the scriptures and out of the culture. Like, don't. You're letting the world define things. The Lord Jesus Christ is the eternal word of God. He's the logos of God. And the Father speaks the universe into existence. And the power that brings the universe into existence is the word of God. That's Christ. In Hebrews, it tells us that he holds the world together by the word of his power. So God's all about words. And God gets to define what words mean and what we are and are, lot, are, and are not allowed to say. And saying to someone that you must turn from your sin and obey Christ, saying to them that it is an abomination if a man lies with a man, that sodomy is a great evil, uh, that's not hateful, that's true. And it's actually loving to call people to repent, and it's loving to expose their sin. As loving it is for a parent to tell their child, you can't ride your bike out in traffic without a helmet on, or to reach out and grab them by the neck if need be before they go into oncoming traffic. You know, it would, it would be foolish for the child to say, Mom, how dare you reach out and save my life by grabbing me by the, the, the scruff of my neck and then someone else calling CAS. You see that mom did? That mom grabbed their son by their neck. 
to save them by being hit from a truck. It's, it's very unbiblical. So I, I would be stronger with the professing Christian. To the non-Christian who would say that that's hate speech, I would say, again, well, no, it's not hate speech. Uh, there's a God or there isn't a God, and he exists. He gets to define reality, not you. And we will be obedient to what he says. And your problem's not with me, your problem's with him. You hate him, you hate his law, but you need to bend the knee in obedience to him because he alone gets to define things and what's right and what's wrong. So categories of hate speech are made up fairy tale Gnostic categories that don't have any grounding in reality. It's just a made up category to penalize people. Yes, fair enough. And so uh, do you think that our political parties, uh, anyone is going to be supportive of an initiative of the people? Uh, I mean, millions of people in Canada, millions believe in uh that, that gender is male and female. Millions of people in Canada also believe that, that uh, homosexuality is a sin. Um, it's not so spoken of. People are polite. We're polite Canadians, uh, much more so than in the United States. They're, they're actually much more vocal about things like this. But um, are, our, are our political uh, MPs, are they going to be supportive of pastors taking a strong stand like this? Uh, yeah, no, probably not. I mean, if they were, they wouldn't have voted in Bill C-4. If you, if you I mean, I, I live in Ontario, so the Ontario PC party, they, they went all big in the month of June and pride comes before the fall month and walking around with rainbows and telling people who you want to love is up to you and you're all accepted. And then professing Christian MPs and MPPs in Ontario, guys like Sam Oosterhoff and Will Bauma, they said nothing about it. Um, they're compromised. They, they might be cowardly. They might be false professors. They might not actually be born again in Christ. I don't, I don't know their hearts, but the fruit's pretty rotten. It's, uh, it's, it's thorns coming from the fig tree. So if our Christian MPs and MPPs do nothing, they don't speak out against sexual immorality. They don't stand up in opposition to Bill C-4, and then they try to make excuses for it, then surely the non-Christian MPPs are not going to take, take a tough stance so no, they're not. They're not going to, and it, it shouldn't really surprise us, you know. If we if we look at both the federal and provincial conservative parties, I mean, liberals, NDPs, the Bloc, the Green, they're they're just they're they're neo Marxists, they're radical progressives all the way down. So I'm not even I'm not even consider them. They have a godless death cult agenda that they're pushing, but the quote unquote conservatives, yeah, there's 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 no hope to be found there as well. I mean, just just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Pierre Polyev's wife said, "No, no, no. We are committed to pro-choice. We're we're thoroughly pro-choice all the way down. So we, yeah, so it's, it's okay to murder babies. It's okay to engage in sodomy. It's okay to kill people if they're old, and it's okay to do the trans stuff if you're an adult. We may want to stop it for kids, but if you're an adult, go for it. That's fine. As if morality changes when you turn 18, all of a sudden. So there's 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 no hope to be found in the main political parties that they would defend or stand up for Christians." or pastors, certainly not. I wonder if the question actually also needs to be posed that, uh, you know, would would the MPs get in trouble? Would Pierre Polyev, uh, you know, would he force an apology or something like that if an MP were to say, well, you know, I, I, agree, I agree with these pastors. But my second point really being, um, are we at the place where 
Is Canada heading down that slippery slope where speaking as these pastors are speaking could get them incarcerated? I, I, I don't think we're down the slippery slope. I think so. I think the slippery slope, it kind of then it goes up like this and turns into a launch. And so I think the slippery slope is greased up and we're midair at this point. We're, already, we're off the slope in the air, ready to crash into the ground. Uh, speech is definitely something that can be, can be punished. I mean, Jordan Peterson was, was raising alarm bells years ago with Bill C-16. So uh, we're, we're, we're there. And, you know, will, will MPs get in trouble? Sure they will. I mean, the evidence would be, one, that any MP who was at all principled has already been removed from caucus. Derek Sloan, Maxime Bernier, Rick Nichols, um, who's an MPP, and uh, Randy Hillier, another MPP. So these guys, so, so they're removed from caucus if they're at all principled. But, you know, th there's another story. Uh, Garrett Van Dorlin was wanting to get the conservative position in his riding. I think it was Oxford County around London. And the rule is that the federal leader, the leaders of the party, don't speak into potential candidates. So if you have multiple guys that are vying for the conservative spot in a particular riding, you're not going to have the leaders say, I prefer one to the other, just going to let it go. Well, Pierre Polyev broke tradition and broke what's proper and actually supported the person who was running against Garrett Van Dorland in the riding so that Garrett Van Dorland didn't win. Now, why is that? Because Garrett Van Dorland used to work for the Canadian Coalition for Bioethical Reform. He is, he's not... He's not pro-choice because I think the pro-choice movement is compromised. He's anti-abortion. He is anti-infanticide. He is very much for the life. Sorry, pro-life. The pro-life movement. I really, he's he's not pro-life. The pro-life movement is is squishy. He is anti-baby murder, and he has done really good work. And so, because of his very strong anti-abortion tendencies. That's why Paul Yev stepped in and cut his legs out from under him because he was too socially conservative for the conservative party. So if that's going to happen to someone like that, and that's exactly who you'd want. Here's a young, passionate, gifted, energetic, able person who will be a blessing to the party. If he supports the rights of preborn babies too much and the federal leader says we don't want him in our party, that lets you know everything you need to know about the party and about any hope that pastors would have for being faithful if they're going to be defended because they're not going to be. Right. So in a free country like ours, um, I, I get along actually with some people that are gay because I'll have conversations with them. And uh, one guy, he told me that he and his partner thought that that gay marriage was a joke anyways. He said, gay people don't want to be married. They're largely like they're well, they change partners a lot, for one thing. Not that many want to actually get married. And they never found the value in that. And they did think that was a heterosexual thing. But it became a very politically uh, driven, um, you know, uh, initiative. So, uh, but I'm able to get along with them because uh, they believe in freedom. And they believe that I don't have to believe that it's okay to be gay by, by the Bible. And yet, we could still... Uh, you know, we can still have conversation. We still live in the same country. We might even vote for the same party. Um, what, where has that civility gone? It, it, it depends on the person. You know, I, I had a, an experience after the convoy. I, I spent a lot of time in Ottawa and I was very vocal in social media. At the time, I was only living about an hour and a half from the city. 
And so, you know, people that I'd been engaged with in protest and people I'd actually stood with in front of officers, you know, at rallies and protests in my city and in Ottawa, after the convoy ended, I've had a number of these people who shortly thereafter reached out to me and said, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, you're, you're a Christian. Well, you know, I thought I, I gave up on the church, but maybe I'll check out your church. Maybe, you know, if you're a Christian and you're standing for freedom and you're a pastor, then maybe, maybe I shouldn't give up on Christianity altogether. So as they started expressing what seemed to be an interest in my church and what was going on, then they would inevitably ask, well, what's your position on LGBT issues? To which I would say very politely and very simply that we believe that God has created marriage to be for one man and one woman in covenant for life. And that anything other than that, any sex outside of that, whether it's a man and a woman who aren't married or two men and two women, anything outside of that is a sin. It's against nature and it's wrong and it cannot be affirmed. And a number of these people then said to me, you're just as bad as Trudeau, telling people what they can and can't do. You're also tyrant-like. Uh, you see, I was right about all your Christians. You're all the same. You're all homophobic. And you know, some of those conversations ended civilly, some didn't. So my experience is that people in the freedom movement who we're able to link arms with in certain areas, once we start getting down to some other areas, namely positions on sexuality, baby murder, then all of a sudden these divisions that clearly exist with those who love Christ and those who hate him, they become a little bit more pronounced. And so I think there can be a measure of civility when there's a potentially greater threat or a greater harm on the horizon. But once things settle a little bit, all of a sudden what we see is these fractures or these fault lines within the freedom movement those people who are for freedom as God defines it, and those people who are for freedom as they define it, what we start to realize is we're not actually allies. We're kind of more co-belligerents when it's really bad. But when it settles, what we find out is if anyone who is not in Christ hates God, which that's Paul's point in Romans 8, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. It's at enemy with God. It can't please God. It does what's contrary to God then the mind that it's set on the flesh, which is the person who does not submit to and love Christ, if that person hates God and that person hates Christ, then that person ultimately hates his law and also hates the people who have submitted to his law. And so we can only kind of be friendly and work together insofar as people don't kind of vocalize their hatred for God and his law. Because when they do, we realize actually we're far more divided than we thought. Hmm. Andrew, you're an amazing person and you have a lot of courage. I appreciate your insights and I agree with you. And I, I thank you for sharing this with us. And uh, one more, let's put up uh, the, um, the presser there one more time. I hope that people will go to this. I think that, um, would, would you like people to bring their kids? Is this for families? Yeah, I mean, all, all we're asking is we're asking, we're asking pastors to preach a sermon it's up to them, whatever passage they want to choose, whatever oh, theme right, they right. want to it's choose. It's not an event. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So my, so, but I mean, what we're, what we're at this point, at, you know, it's Thursday. Chances are most people have determined what they're going to be preaching on this Sunday. So it's not as if people maybe can in a last ditch effort, convince their pastor to change whatever the sermon's going to be. But at this point, what we'll say is that for those who are joining this Sunday, who will be preaching on a biblical sexual ethic, whether it's in 
Genesis 1 or 1 Corinthians 6 or Romans 1 or Ephesians 5, whatever, Matthew 18, whatever, or Matthew 19, wherever they're going to be preaching, after they preach, if they go to our website and click on Biblical Sexuality Sunday under the Initiatives tab, they can submit a link to their sermon. They can submit a link to their church website because we want to keep in touch with them. We want to have a database of everyone who's joined so that we can follow up with them in subsequent years. Um, and I would, I mean, I would, I would, what I would tell to people is if you are wanting a church that'll be faithful in this, then think of the churches around you who stayed open and who were public during lockdowns and who told the state that Christ is Lord of the church, not Caesar. That's probably the kind of church that'll be preaching on one of these topics this Sunday. And so I would encourage people to go to those churches and commit to those churches. Um, yeah. I like it. I like it. Thank you for leading this uh, courageous act. And uh, may Canada be continue to be strong and free. And that's what we want. Yeah. And part of freedom is standing up for your beliefs. Thanks so much again, Laurelyn. It's always great to chat with you. Um, and uh, this almost certainly won't last on YouTube. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just get that out of the way. It'll probably be taken down very quickly. But, uh, but I look forward to our next, uh, next time together to discuss, I'm sure, very, very spicy things. So thanks Thank so much you. again. You're terrific. Say hi to your family for us. Thank you. Take care. Bye. I, um, you know, I, I think that uh, something that Andrew is saying is, is very, very true. And that is that uh, we're all in agreement, um, like the freedom movement, for instance, right? We're all in agreement. Uh, we want freedom and we fight hard. So you might not see that the differences, but he's, he's right about how when things calm down or there's another issue that is raised, then um, there's a fracturing of all people. And it, it really goes back to, you know, the divide between biblical uh, beliefs and or, or not. Um, I'd like to be in a Canada where we're going to be able to have civil discussions about being, you know, in agreement or not. I had a wonderful young man who uh, had married a guy and he just really wanted to talk to me. And we went out, we had lunch together, I think a couple of times. And he called me, uh, he was really, really struggling uh, because he did not want to, well, he wasn't being treated well in this relationship, but he really wanted to do what was right before God. And it was a huge struggle for him. And we had the most wonderful, uh, kind, mm, compassionate, caring discussion on this issue. And I didn't reject him as a human being for struggling in this manner. Um, but he, he clearly knew that I believed that the Bible states that homosexuality is sin before God. Now, a lot of people don't believe in God anyways. Um, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing. So I always say, you know, people are upset that I don't see their worldview. I don't believe in LGBTQ, you know, and all of that. However, after you're an adult, I actually believe in freedom because that's also a principle of God. You get to choose what you're going to do, how you're going to live, what behaviors you will manifest. You get to choose that. Why? Because God's idea was 
that he wanted to give humankind the ability to choose whether they would serve him or reject him. And issues of sexuality are also very complex. So it's hard if you're having a, a real attraction to, you know, same-sex attraction. That's really difficult. And, and uh, people struggle with this. Um, there was a fellow, he had been horribly uh, sexually abused when he was young. He shared that with me. He told me about this, you know, very bad abuse he'd experienced and it had, you know, really jarred his mind for the normal course of godly biblical sexuality. And, and it was very difficult. And, you know, as I, as I look at it all, um, I think that we have to have a lot of compassion that the Lord does say that they will know that we're Christians by our love. And so we do have to be compassionate. But it also says that God wants us to stand up for, for righteousness. And my question is, if I don't believe in your, you know, way of thinking, uh, if you're a very you know, you're given to LGBTQ agenda and, and you believe in all of it and all of that. If I don't believe in that, why are you so offended? Because you don't believe in my Jesus. You don't believe in my biblical uh, holy book. You don't believe in that. But if I don't believe in your agenda, which sort of has a, a lot of like text written about it, which, you know, you might call soji or you might call some of these mandates put in all kinds of places that are all the teaching and the, the classes, the curriculum that is saturated with LGBTQ stuff now in our world. Not you, you, I don't know if you'll go to any school and see the Ten Commandments, which are beautiful. Thou shalt not kill, that thou shalt not steal. All of these rules to live by, don't lie. These are good things. You won't find that in a school, but we're going to teach you know, something that is counter to the word of God. Well, my point here is that people get angry because we don't believe in their way of thinking, and yet they don't believe in mine, and that's Canada. We have the right to believe that, and we have the right to have differing opinions on sexuality, and I don't remember which prime minister. Was it um, Senior Trudeau that said, um, the government needs to stay out of people's uh, bedrooms, <laughs> you know. Well, they're all in all our bedrooms now. They're telling us what's right and what's wrong in the bedroom. And so maybe we should go back to that. Uh, maybe that was a good idea, stay out of the bedrooms. That's where the Bible comes in. Now, it's not, a, it's not against the law to be a homosexual, but it's beginning to be against the law to believe other, other than that sort of perspective. So that's the slippery slope I was talking to Andrew DiBartolo regarding because uh, many pastors totally fear speaking on this any longer. And as you can see, our country is going into quite a uh, sexual uh, decline. Um, young women are certainly, you know, not reserving themselves for marriage. Uh, they are not... Uh, they barely understand why or why it would be important to have, you know, a sexual guard on your life. And the interesting part is that 
there's a, a, a raging anger and almost a, uh, at times, a violent component that rages against those who just don't buy into any LGBTQ gender nonsense. There's just a rage that comes over people. And that is because of the mental, uh, the mental unhealthiness of their person. They just can't allow or accept that other people feel a completely different way. So they have to get enraged about it. Um, when you're healthy, you can go, hey, I'm choosing my life. I'm choosing to live as a gay person. I'm choosing to live as a lesbian or a transgender. And, um, and it doesn't matter to me what others think because uh, I'm, I'm, you know, all about myself and I'm, I'm good with how I think. Now, I might think they're wrong, but that would be a healthier frame of mind, wouldn't it? We're not really seeing that. We're seeing people being shut down at school board meetings. We're seeing mics being quietened uh, when, when citizens and parents are saying, I do not want my kids taught your belief system. We're seeing an anger, a rage, a venom. We're seeing bills like Bill C-4 being passed that can have a $500,000 fine and you can lose your designation if you're a, a psychologist or something. And pastors could face imprisonment. Parents can face these same, these same consequences because they don't believe in the LGBTQ agenda. So how I see it is that a, an idol has been set up in our land and we must bow or we'll be in trouble. The furnace is getting hotter, everyone. So what Andrew DiBartolo and those that dare to stand with him to have a Sunday of biblical sexuality is so important. And that's why I hope that you'll share this video with your pastor. Many of you have, have a, a pastor just say, listen, this was really interesting. And we're losing our power when in our own pulpits, that's where you get to preach about the word of God. That's, you, might, you might not have an open door to talk about it all on CBC News, for sure. But why would you not use this opportunity to take, to take the power you've been given as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to speak honestly and openly about what the Bible is saying? And any sort of sex outside of being married is sin in the Bible. It's not just uh, homosexuality. It's all this hooking up and, you know, everything that's happening, you know, anything outside of the marriage covenant is sin. It's not actually just limiting it to homosexuality and LGBTQ sort of perspective. It's all of it. So, so a pastor would be preaching the same message against a couple sleeping together outside of marriage. Why? Because the Bible says that you're not to do that, that sex is holy and that it is reserved for the marriage covenant. Now, you can believe that or not believe that because it's a free country. And that's why I value freedom. And that's why the whole world uh, wars with each other because it actually comes down to good versus evil. 
And there are countries that choose to not operate in freedom, God's idea of freedom. Those would be Islamic countries where they, um, they kill people for being gay. This is not the dispensation at all where God is uh, calling for that. God says, do not murder. And people that are gay are within their God-given rights to choose to do what they'd like to do. And so that is where deep respect for, for freedom comes from. But even in the freedom movement that values freedom, you can see that people will get very upset if you want to actually speak the truth that you hold and have a right to because we're in freedom. We have a right to speak on that. So this is a tough thing. And it also raised its head, I think, uh, with the Israel issue, because if you support Israel, you might be seen as uh, somebody, you know, who's betraying this freedom movement that came out against the global elites and the Rockefellers and truly evil uh, people like Soros that were Jews. And so everybody gets angry that you're not against these Jews. And to me, all they are is bad people because we have bad people in Canada, bad people in the United States, Bill Gates, for instance. And so the fact that Soros is Jewish and that there's, you know, you can point to a number of Jews who, who tend to have a lot of money and they tend to be very successful, actually, Jews do. They tend to know how to take um, a portion of land and make it successful where other you know, people that have been in the Middle East have the same sort of uh, land, uh, the, the dry, arid climate or whatever, and they can't make anything grow. But uh, the Jews, Israel has found an incredible way to, to make their land prosperous, and they tend to be prosperous people. That can also raise a lot of jealousy. Uh, but where I stand is I stand with a free country, and Israel being one of the only free countries in the Middle East, uh, some other countries have varying levels of freedom, but I mean, you can be gay and uh, queer and a real, you know, dressed up in your, your dress <laughs> as a dude, and you can be in Israel and people will go against Israel for that. Or, or you can be in Iran or Syria and, and be killed. So the issue really is, is that when people feel that you're coming against them, there is a demonic rising of anger and rage that you would dare to speak the truth of God's word. And so that's the fight that is really rising in our land over all of these things. All of these things. Um, I feel like I had one more point to make, but I can't think of it necessarily right now if it does come to me. Um, we'll bring it up. My bottom line is uh, you are free to be gay because God's idea is freedom. Um, you need to know that he doesn't support the lifestyle. And if you're gay or heterosexual, I will say one thing is that we all fight with uh, the, the sexual um, assault or the, the things that come at us. 
And, uh, you know, when you're a married couple, you have to make a commitment to be monogamous, even though there might be other attractions. And uh, the gay community, um, you know, seems to have a problem that, oh, you know, I was born this way or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I had a friend many years ago. She, she was married when I met her, but she had been in a lesbian relationship. She wasn't born anything. She made choices to have a, a different sexual liaison, and it, it eventually just made her physically ill, actually, and she got out of it. Um, but it didn't start that way. You know, it was, um, uh, you know, an interest and a, a lust attraction. And uh, we all have lusts of the flesh, but our job is to crucify those lusts. So whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, gay, trans, whatever, all of these things, when you bring your mind into alignment with the word of God, you have sanity for one thing and, and you stay on the path. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's correct and right to fight the urges. Some of you listening to me right now, there might be someone and you're having a temptation to um, have an affair outside of your marriage. That is just as big an issue as the gay issue. You have to do what is right, what God calls you to do. You have to stand in the commitment that you've made and be a person that is uh, making decisions based on right and wrong, according to the word of God. So all of that to say, let's do what's right. And I hope that you'll share this with your pastor and start having real conversations. Let's have more conversations. I'm all about the talk. And it's very hard for people to have talks these days. And I don't think you should get all upset when you have these talks. You have to have a healthy, balanced, sound mind. You can't yell at someone into being not gay anymore. You can't yell at them. You can't force them. That's really the job of the Holy Spirit. But you might be able to share some things with them that will help to bring clarity on what the Word of God says and the love of God for them because God loves all people. He loves them and he's for them. He does ask that they would be for him and in that be obedient to his word. All right. So we have a website. I don't know if I was supposed to pull this up, but uh, former North Peace Pride Society. Oh, okay. Oh, on mine. Oh, I'm supposed to share that. Okay. Just a second. Why don't we go to this video first then of Dr. Fauci testifying before Congress and admitting that the six-foot social distancing rule was completely made up. Oh, do you think? <laughs> Take Dr. Anthony Fauci concluded his last day of testimony before the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic on Tuesday and had plenty of things to share with lawmakers about the U.S. pandemic response, some of which shocked Republicans on the committee. Dr. Fauci said he was not convinced that children suffered learning loss due to school closures that his agency supported, according to two members of that committee who spoke with me. Representative Michael Cloud told me after leaving the hearing room that uh, Fauci said he was still not convinced that there's learning loss and that that was, in his view, open to discussion. This is in keeping with a number of previous statements that Fauci has made to the press about the degree of authority he exerted during the pandemic. For instance, in April 2023, he told the New York Times Magazine, show me a school that I shut down, show me a factory that I shut down. 
I never did. I gave a public health recommendation that echoed the CDC's recommendation, and people made a decision based on that. When I asked Representative Cloud for his response to this, he said that Fauci and other public officials had washed their hands of responsibility, saying the decisions were often made by local or school districts. But the school districts, he pointed out, if they don't follow that guidance, leave themselves open to lawsuits from the federal government. The U.S. Department of Education also released statistics at the end of 2022 showing that reading and math scores had plummeted among school children. Among nine-year-olds in particular, reading scores were at their lowest point in over 30 years, and math scores dipped for the first time in a near half-century of recording. Fauci also had the opportunity to speak with members about other guidance he provided, such as six feet of distance to slow the spread of the virus. Fauci surprisingly said to the committee members that that guidance, quote, sort of just appeared, end quote, without scientific input. Dr. Ashish Jha, the dean of Brown University Medical School and an eventual COVID response coordinator in President Biden's White House, said that the six feet requirement never struck him as, quote, particularly sensical, end quote. He said he wished the CDC would just come out and say it was not a major issue. Fauci eventually backtracked on the six feet requirement after being asked by different members of the media for response to various studies, showing it had little effect. LGBT pride leader Sean Gravel is arrested for alleged child pornography. And uh, police arrest an LGBT pride leader December 31 for alleged sex crimes against children. Prosecutors informed CBC News on Monday. Former North Peace Pride Society and PPS President Sean Gravels of British Columbia faces charges of sexual Interference with a person under 16, physical contact with a person under 16 for sexual purposes and possessing as well as importing or distributing child pornographic materials. Uh, Dan McLaughlin, a BC Prosecution Service, BC PS spokesman, informed CBC News in a statement via email. And you know what? He's absolutely right uh, that it is illegal to show anyone under the age of 16. And yet in our schools, we have a lot of diagrams, drawings, all kinds of things that show uh, show little minor children all kinds of immoral and sexually perverted things. And this whole nonsense, uh, you know, these, these cross-dressers that go into libraries and, you know, read books to little kids, many of them, they have they have um, already had charges laid against them. And they're, they're deviants, they're not checked out, and our world is just going to hell in a handbasket while anyone who stands up for what's right, pure and holy, as our nation was founded on those principles, and you would find, you know, a, sort of a, a much holier perspective. You know, in, in my mother's day, I asked her about, like, you know, kids in school, and she said, Nobody was that she knew was sleeping around um, when she was in high school because it was just like not acceptable. Now, probably somebody was, <laughs> but it wasn't the thing to do. It was a shameful thing. It was that you were to preserve yourself. So all of that is gone. Now we've got nut jobs like this guy, and uh, I hope they throw the book at him. Very, very shameful. Um, and then we have a successful Christian, uh, this is a rehab program that has been booted from Minnesota prison, uh, for their stand on biblical sexuality. So this is a CBN story. 
from the United States, and these guys are in a recovery program. Uh, whoops, how'd that happen? Okay, uh, they're in a recovery program, and uh, because of, what does it say here? A Minnesota Correctional Facility abruptly canceled a Christian rehabilitation program for teaching inmates about manhood and masculinity through a biblical worldview. Now volunteers with the program have filed a lawsuit against the Minnesota Department of Corrections for violating their First Amendment rights. See, that is absolutely right. What I feel is that um, we, we might have disagreements. Some of us adhere to biblical sexuality. Some of us don't. In a free country, you don't get killed for either perspective because you're a Christian or because you're gay. Because in some of these countries I've already mentioned, you'd be thrown off a roof for being gay and probably for being a Christian, okay? So the thing is, is that we're getting to the place where, you know, you're being canceled, you've got cancel culture. So what I think is that we do have to fight back. And I do hope that they're going to be bringing more accountability to those who just cancel someone who has a biblical perspective. You don't have to agree with it, but you can't stop it. And that's the fight for freedom. We don't all have to be on the same page about things, but we all get to speak. And that's why I speak every single day. We have one more video. Um, Hertz announces that it will sell its 20,000 electric vehicle fleet in a shift back to gas-powered cars. I mean, it's just fascinating to me because I, I think back to when Hertz announced that they were going to buy a ton of Teslas. This was 2021. We were still in kind of, you know, the, the meme stock, uh, you know, era. Uh, it was very clearly, uh, you know, to me, it, it seemed like a play on the part of, you know, uh, a, a just bankrupt uh, Hertz to really generate interest in the company and interest in their strategy going forward. And it made Tesla a trillion dollar company. And, you know, it, it was soon thereafter that, uh, you know, I, it was about a year ago now that, you know, we saw in the regulatory filings that Hertz was actually buying a whole lot uh, fewer Teslas than they initially announced and even uh, falling well short of their plans for the number of Teslas that they were going to purchase. Uh, you know, they, they've really sort of taken a bath on, on those uh, purchases. It can't help that Elon Musk has cut right. price so much. <laughs> yep, I bet. I mean, I don't want ever an electric car because, I mean, unless I uh, am so blessed as to have a little, a little vehicle I can run around, um, you know, in town. But I'm one, I like to travel. I like to travel for long trips. Uh, my husband and I like to, you know, be on the road. We've, we've been known to be on the road for 12 or 13 hours, right? When we were going through the States, I've done it in Canada. I've driven from here to Calgary in a night and, you know, in a day. And that was a pretty long trip, but I did it. I once did it in the snow and then I had to pull over and have a nap because I was so exhausted. It was pretty much 12 midnight. I got away late and, but I like the long trips and you can't do that with one of these cars. This is a complete blazing disaster. It's the stupidest idea that they've come up with. And they're trying to tell you that the windmills, you know, those those uh, things are, are good and, you know, well, then you put them up in places that have no wind. And it's just a, it is absolutely just a huge disaster. And people are pulling back from it. Then if you want to get it fixed, you have to, you know, it's a lot more money. And who are we helping? We're actually helping China. China has like all of the components that go into these batteries and whatnot. So I know we've shown the videos on that. So the world is just so messed up. And look at outside, apparently 
they're they're getting minus 50 over on the eastern side of Canada. Um, talked to Gary Producer uh, this morning, and it's uh, minus 30 in the, the Edmonton area. Well, I mean, I don't even know what it is outside, but I think it's still snowing. And uh, I don't like it. Uh, it's cold. And I would like a little global warming. I don't see what would be so wrong with that to be honest. So I don't know. Is it global colding? Is it global warming? Oh, they're just changing, you know, and hey, maybe we wouldn't be having problems like this. I don't know what these uh, crazy people that are, you know, riding their uh, planes across the sky and leaving, you know, huge particles. And uh, it's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually admitted. And uh, the United States and Canada have a weather pattern altering agreement that they don't do it within uh, 200 K or 200 miles I'm not sure which one, uh, but of the borders that, um, you know, that the, the U.S. doesn't want Canada's schemes in, in altering the weather to be done too close to their border. That would affect, and we don't want that from their border. Um, interesting, isn't it? I mean, if, if there's nothing going on to alter the weather, that they're actually man-made, it's like a man-made virus, a man-made problem, then... Uh, you know, then, then why do we have to have a law stating that you can't do any of that within a certain, you know, distance of the border? So crazy. My website's laurelin.tv. I love being here with you. Thank you for being here with me. We've had a few technical uh, glitches today <clears throat> going on a new platform, uh, but thank you for your grace. Uh, this is where you reach me. Um, I just want to say, you know, thank you very, very much to special people uh, like Annette, and uh, those that um, have recently uh, donated and blessed us because it, it actually really means so much to us when we um, are taken care of and we know that there are those that are absolutely standing with us because they enjoy and appreciate the call that this show has in order to share the truth. And uh, we've had some... A beautiful lady as well that has uh, donated, and I, I just, I just want to, you know, I just want to let you know that it means so very, very much to our little team to be able to cover expenses and to get up every day and work really hard to show you the truth, tell you the truth, and and we talk about some tough issues, but we do it with integrity. And we do it because it's important and we won't be silent and we will not be cowards. And we're unapologetically biblically based, uh, but we examine the world's issues and Canada's issues specifically, but the world as well, from a biblical perspective. And we don't uh, make any bones about that. And we believe there's a right way and a wrong way. However, the love of God is so incredible. I, I thank God for his forgiveness, for his redemption, for his love for you and for me as we work through it all. It means a lot. So to all of you who go to that uh, website, laurelin.tv, and you push the donate button, you can make an anonymous donation if uh, you don't want to be known, or you can join monthly, or you can join uh, you can just share a one-time donation with us. It means the world. My email is laurelinlive at protonmail.com. And my, uh, you can also do snail mail to box 48184 in New Westminster, Vancouver. 
B3M0A7. That is the way that you could send us a note. Thank you very much. I love you all. I appreciate the battle. It's fierce, isn't it? It's really fierce. I feel it. I feel the battle against um, our emotions, our, our concerns for the fall of morality and what our kids are facing. I just think that we've got to be courageous and speak. And I honor those men in the pulpit that have the guts to tell the truth, the guts to preach the word of God, because our kids and our families need it. And it should be done a lot more often than once a year. You're only gonna preach about biblical sexuality this Sunday, <laughs> you know? Because our kids are actually getting a different agenda preached to them every single day through the television, through their schools, through those that do not honor the ways of God. So this is what Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For you were once darkness. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. I just want to stop right there before I go on and say that the exposure part is very important and we've lacked in it. We have failed to expose darkness, either out of cowardice, weakness, wanting to be politically correct and just friendly and fit in with everybody, but we have failed to be loud enough to be heard about the darkness in our land. And it's been costly because children and children's children then do not understand the ways of God. And God never created all of these rules on sexuality so that we would be harmed, but rather for our good. If you operate in Christian biblical purity, you have a lot less issues to have to deal with because you don't have a broken heart as often. Um, you're not being used by some dude who doesn't care about you. He just wanted to use your body for an evening and he moved on by the next morning. You don't have that kind of pain in your life. There's a lot to be said for the good that it brings to any life when they operate in these truths. And young women today, um, JT and I talk about this. He says, you know, they've pretty much lost the sexual revolution because there, there's less marriages happening because, well, why does a guy have to commit to, to marriage if, you know, if you're just willing to pretty much on the first or second date, give them everything that you're supposed to be waiting for marriage to get. And you think that that's your power? They walk away much more often from you because they don't respect you. I've told that story on this show before about this very good looking man that I sat beside at an event one night. And he, uh, he said he had lots of women that, that, oh, he's very, you know, finely dressed, successful businessman. He slept around a lot, couldn't seem to find one 
to keep because he literally admitted to me he just had lost all respect for them. Let's, um, let's stand strong in what we know to be right, make our lives better. God bless, we'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.